Wildling Press presents How Do I Book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wildling Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I'm Mike. I'm Grace. I'm Mary Payton. Hi, y'all. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for an early morning recording. Yes. Can you tell it's 5 a.m. from our voices? <laughs> right. I yes. think so by mine. Uh, so welcome to our coffee talk. Coffee, coffee talk. talk. <laughs> Ever since we referenced coffee talk yesterday, it's been in my head. Uh, another SNL great. I've been going sweater weather. Sweater weather. Sweater weather. We've, mm-hmm. We yes. had a couple of teasing days of sweater weather, but it's going to go uh-huh. back to mm-hmm. back to terrible. Yes, welcome to the (laughs) Mid-Atlantic. So today's episode, we wanted to talk about International Literacy Day, which will be on Friday, September 8th this year of 2023. Woo! Very, uh, very interesting. I uh, admittedly, I didn't know too much about the actual day and its history and won't go too much into it because I really don't want this episode to be like a book report. Mm. But uh, it is a day to raise awareness and concern for literacy problems that exist with our own local communities as well as globally. And it started in 1966 by UNESCO, which is the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization. Mm-hmm. And they said, and I quote, this was created to remind the public of the importance of literacy as a matter of dignity and human rights. Love it. The human rights part is important. It is that serious. Yes. Yeah. It is that serious. Mm -hmm. And staying on the side of things real quickly for uh, the book report Mm -hmm. side of things. I pulled up some- Mike, I love a book report. I will just say that. Yeah, especially on Literacy Day. We love it. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I had some statistics pulled up. They're eluding me now, but I'm going to find (laughs) them. Here we go. Okay, so some statistics for us real quick, because we know we're all like math wizards. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> so, interesting. <laughs> so less than 40% of the percentage of American third grader students who don't read at grade level. That's huge. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, it is pretty kind of large. A sh- that's a shocking statistic, I would say. And, you know, and the thing is, is like, even like, you know, as lucky as we are, for some things in the country that we live in, we won't go into the things that we are not at the moment, mm-hmm. but uh, we still have a pretty high reading level compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. And uh, so it's a little, it's a little wild with that. Uh, 75% is the percentage of children who struggle to read their whole lives if they fall behind at age nine. Oof. Yeah. That I mean, I sense. think that that age makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because I feel like that's the point where it kind of starts getting more serious. I, I wasn't going to bring this up because I don't remember the source, which is not good. But um, I did see something about how a lot of um, grade school teachers feel inadequately trained for helping kids who have issues with reading. So, like, they know how to teach reading. They know, like, all these tips and tricks and things. But, like, they have less good education and training on how to help kids who have harder times like like kids with dyslexia and stuff so that makes yeah. sense right. that if they don't get that kind of extra help that they need by that age then it's going to be hard forever 
Yeah. Well, I mean, there's if you think about just the number of kids in a class, like mm-hmm. it's impossible for teachers to to be able to sort of cater, you know, to mm-hmm. individual students when they have so many kids to worry about. I just it's an impossible situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's another thing too with uh I know they have special programs within schools, but those classes are small, you know, so they don't I don't know, but I would assume they can't address it with every child that actually needs, you know, assistance and getting up to their reading level. Yeah. Yeah. I did uh, learn about one thing that Virginia is doing that passed in legislature in 2022. Uh, it called the Virginia Literacy Act. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's going to be an instructional program and their job is to uh, improve literacy outcomes for all students in the Commonwealth, kindergarten through eighth grade. That's so awesome. It's, yeah, it's kind of cool great. that they're coming up with these programs and like supplemental programs and core programs, intervention materials as well for students so that they can have the advantage of literacy as they go into their young adult and adult lives. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't imagine, Mm -hmm. like, I I think all of us were like early readers and stuff, but I can't imagine what it would be like to struggle with reading even into my teens because so much of our lives is, is reading so much of getting through the world is reading. So Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine how hard that would be. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, uh, you know, I've, I kind of did a little deep dive in just to websites and different things that talk about International Literacy Day. And one of the biggest things they bring up is like, what you're talking about is just how, you know, written language is like the core of like our common humanity, Mm. and how it helps record knowledge and convey our beliefs. And actually, it's just like the foundation of us as humans and what gives us an advantage in like, you know, the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about today is just different ways that we can improve literacy on a local level, because it is, dare I say, a social disease in it, but it's one that is solvable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just by doing simple things. And I know that, you know, especially, you know, within the wilding group, we're always sharing book ideas and book recommendations and sharing our love of reading with not only our friends our own age, but family members that are younger, that are in grade school and doing those things. And that is one big step right there is just sharing your love of reading and learning with other people. And hopefully that it becomes infectious. Yeah. Oh, I do have another uh, statistic. No more. That goes on to the, I know, I'm just kidding. No, he's not. I'm just kidding. You know, and the U S like, you know, the population is pretty large, but, you know, we do have a literacy rate of 99% as um, stated by globalcitizen.org, but they still say that 36 million adults can't maintain employment because their inability to read or write. Mm. So I guess yeah. they're defining a literacy there as like just being barely, like just being able to comprehend reading. And so like maybe they could get by in their day to day, but you know, they're not doing well in their place of employment. Is that kind of what that's meaning, maybe? That's the way I take yeah. it, you know, and it's just, if you think about it, just having that that core knowledge of reading and writing, just how much that would help in our, just like world government and the people that are relying on, you know, programs to get them through life because they can't keep up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, literacy is such a privilege, like, yes. um, 
the fact that, you know, some kids start out and they have like, you know, a parent or guardian or somebody who is teaching them sort of the basics of reading before they even start school, Mm -hmm. um, start out like, so, like so far ahead of another kid who, who might not have that same, um, dynamic with their parent. And, you know, I think that reading is something that really kind of snowballs. And if you have one kid that starts out with a certain amount of knowledge and another kid who doesn't, I don't know. I just feel like it is, it's something where it is hard to catch up. Mm -hmm. Um, if you, if you're already sort of like some kids are starting school and they already like know how to read Mm -hmm. and some kids are starting school and they have no idea how to read. So I just feel like that discrepancy in and of itself starting out so young is so it's like so hard to bridge the gap even from the very beginning you know yeah Mm -hmm. well that access to books in your home is such a huge thing Mm -hmm. because even um even if you don't necessarily go start with school um knowing how to read just having the access and like the comfortability around books and around letters and words yeah um Mm -hmm. i'm sure puts kids ahead and then Uh you know say a kid is struggling with reading in their classes or learning to read Every time they go home, they don't have access to books. They don't get any time to practice. They don't get any extra help or or work during those hours. So I'm sure that yeah. really snowballs, like you said. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that leads us back into wanting things that we can do to help with, um, you know, mm-hmm. bring literacy to people around us, you know, that aren't just within our inner circle and in our family. Yeah. And yeah. uh one of those things we can do is that we can uh, volunteer with our local literacy programs. And that can be pretty much anything from reading at your local library or, you know, looking up any adult literacy programs in your area or for children and, you know, volunteering your time because you don't realize how important it is to have someone there to show the love of books just to everyone around them who doesn't necessarily like y'all said hasn't been like introduced to that throughout their life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. another one that you could do and this one I think is uh pretty cool I mentioned before that I got my original degree in sociology with criminology and deviance and so this one kind of like really stood out for me but another thing you can do is you can volunteer with incarcerated people and I know that sounds a little threatening when you hear it just said that way but when you break it down adult literacy is completely intertwined with poverty and incarceration. Mm -hmm. So, you know, another study that shows that I got from Global Citizen is that 2.3 million people incarcerated in the U.S., that's up to 75 of of those, up to 75% are illiterate. Mm -hmm. And that just perpetuates the prison cycle. Mm -hmm. So education in prisons can, you know, be a form of rehabilitation. It can help them earn diplomas and better job opportunities when they get out. And that way the recidivism rate is a lot lower. But, and I know there's different ways that you can help incarcerated people. You know, you can volunteer to be a tutor. If that feels a little out of your comfort zone, uh, you can donate your books to a prison book program. Uh, And Global Citizen even recommends becoming a pen pal. You know, because you don't have to read a book to read, but, you know, you have these letters and you're investing your time in these people Mm -hmm. and it really shows that they, you know, they have value. Yes. Yeah. Just like I think feeling that value, feeling valued um, outside of that system is important, too. Yeah. Very much so. Some other things we can do 
donate books. You know, like I said, you know, we're talking about the prison program, but also donate to your library, donate to schools, uh, you know, even donate to your, you know, if you, your local church or your local community center, just anywhere that they have a shelf to put books on, donate them and make sure you donate books that are exciting or that people will want to read. You know, don't, don't donate your, you know, window dolls for dummies, 1995. <laughs> <laughs> so specific, Mike. <laughs> so specific. I saw something like that in a little free library not too long ago. And I was like, uh, you knew better. Yeah. That's called recycling. Yeah. That's just someone <laughs> trying to get rid of stuff. Exactly. But yeah, also too, like, you know, find your uh, little free libraries. And we've had an episode prior, previously on that, but finding one of those and go around and donate your books to those, to, um, to those little libraries and not always adult books, but, you know, find some children books, you know, get the ones from, if you don't have any children, get the ones from your nieces or nephews or little cousins and uh, that they're not reading anymore and don't donate those off. Just make sure they're not like their favorite book because they may want to keep that for their yeah. whole life. That, that's true. <laughs> that I say that because my favorite self. books, right. I say that because my favorite books from childhood were donated and I miss them. Aww. <laughs> Bye. Well, maybe they're someone else's favorite books now, too, because they were donated. Aww. That's a good spin on it. I'll sleep better at night now that you told me that. <laughs> One other thing that I thought would be kind of fun to ask y'all is I want to know from y'all what books, when you were younger, got you excited about reading and really, like, fueled your passion for reading? Hmm. Hmm. Great question. I think... I definitely remember, um, I definitely read like the Magic Treehouse books, uh-huh. read mm-hmm. those, uh, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I also remember attempting to read books that were, uh, I would say above my reading level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I tried to read Moby Dick as like a, <laughs> oh my God, like a seven year old or something. <laughs> I'm like, I got I this. can imagine. I, this. I can imagine little Grace like with a giant, the a copy of Moby Dick in her hands. <laughs> um, yeah, but I was also even as a kid, I was there for the vibes of reading. You yes. know, I had like a little like reading quarter that I like. I just I made like super cozy, and I was like just sitting there with my little books, and it was very cute and. Yeah, but I think also other things that motivated me were like, you know, the school programs, like Accelerated Reader, Uh oh yeah, whatever else. So, yeah, I like a little competition, you know. (laughs) I'll forever bring up Book It for my free pizza. That pizza. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do they still do that? I think so. I think I remember like... I say that with a mild confidence. I think I remember a couple years ago finding out that they still did it, but I don't know if that's still true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Book It program has a website, the Pizza Hut Book It program. Yes. Yep, they're now enrolling for the 23-24 program. So Guys, let's do enroll it. Enroll in it. <laughs> I will say, too, Free that, pizza. like, I, my family, like, was pretty poor growing up. Like, we were definitely better off than, than some other people, but... um Having that bucket program was real extra exciting because, like, that was also free food that we didn't get to. Like, eating at Pizza Hut was a fancy, super fancy night for us. So that yeah. was right. definitely an incentive to read more. Mm-hmm. I get that. And uh, 
with the whole Pizza Hut thing. Y'all know I'm not the hugest fan of pizza. We'll have a whole nother episode on that if we need it. <laughs> but, specifically uh, about that. Specifically about that. <laughs> but I will say uh, that classic old school Pizza Hut mm-hmm. and playing the Pac-Man games, you know, and things like that oh, yeah. uh, were just like such a drive for me. And I just saw recently that in our area, I believe they opened up a classic Pizza Hut and it looks like the one we grew up with on the inside. And they, they serve the deep dish and the cast iron what? and all that. So I'm kind of like, do they have a book it program for adults? Because I want to go there and get my free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, MP, uh, how about you? Uh, what is a book that got you really into reading? So um, I was trying to remember and the ones that stick out in my mind, I don't know necessarily were like the ones that started it, but the ones that like I was reading during the time when I was really getting into it. Um, so I have like Ella Enchanted. One of my oh, yeah. one of my all time favorites. I loved that book as um, a kid too. Yeah, it was just so good and magical. And actually, um, I think I mentioned this before, but like my mom used to take us kids. Like she was a single mom. She used to take us kids out on like like she would take us separately out for an evening um, as like a fun time. We could we got to pick whatever we wanted to do. And I always picked going to Borders Bookstore, which no longer exists. Um, mm-hmm. and I would like, I loved, I found Ella Enchanted. I fell in love with it and I would read like as much as I could while we were there for a bit and then put it back and I would like hide it behind the other books. Like people weren't <laughs> going to find it so that people couldn't buy it in the meantime. Um, and then oh I would God. like wait until the next time that I could go on this like, you know, date night with mom or whatever, which sounds weird, but that's all I can think of. Um, yeah, yeah. uh, it to continue reading it. So that's how I ended up reading all of Ella Enchanted. So maybe that's why that's beautiful. it means a lot to me. But yeah. That's wholesome. Also, your mom's the best. I know. I feel like that's a really I cute know. idea. Yeah, it was so fun. It really like made us feel special. I loved, yeah, I loved the Animorph series because that was my exact, like my favorite kind of book when I was that age. So like grade school, like, you know, I don't know, fifth grade or whatever it was, third grade, um, was like books about regular kids in regular life, but then they find a magical world or they like they um, are pulled into some sort of magical or like sci-fi world because obviously mm-hmm. because I was like, that's going to happen to me one day. But Animorphs, yeah. Animorphs definitely did that. It was very cool. Which one did you want to morph into the most? Oh, I mean, there's such good ones like they could morph into a tiger or probably at that time I wanted to morph into a horse. Nice horse <laughs> girl. Horse girl. Horse girl. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, I would say for me, I had two I guess, series that I was into that really got me reading when I was in uh, elementary school. And the first was the Choose Your Adventure book series. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wish I had done those. I did not. That sounds very cool. I say, I say do them now. Why not? Because yeah, why not? It's, it's so cool because like you could with one book, you can, you know, end up like, four or five different stories by the time you're done for the versions for the same story that you're reading, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's like, do you pick up the sword? Turn to page 22, you know, do you run scared? (laughs) End the book now. Yeah. Yeah, I read a lot of the, uh, Goosebumps did that for a lot of their books. Um, they did like a a choose your adventure or something like that. Goosebumps version, which was like so fun and creepy. And I love them. Uh, I was in middle school reading full on adult novels that I should have no, no access to. So, <laughs> yeah, you were reading I, like I, Stephen King and stuff. I was reading Stephen King and like 
grocery store trash romance. Yeah, <laughs> and nothing in between. But, that but I helps. got my free pizza. But that I was gonna say, but that incentivizes you, right? Like, very much so. Yeah. When I uh, the other book for me when I was uh, younger was uh, Sideways Stories from Wayside School. Fun and. I don't know if y'all have read those or not. They're pretty, in my mind, they're pretty classic. Mm-hmm. I I actually haven't. I gotta I gotta write down your recommendations so that I can relive what I missed out on yes. as a kid. Please do. And I know the, this started off like in like this book's older than me. It started off in 1978, but uh, but I know they have a whole bunch of series now. It's by uh, Lewis sakar i guess yeah. oh yeah his name. wait is that the, but, that's the guy who wrote holes right yep yeah and i just learned that this morning i was like you did oh. that <laughs> so yeah I same love person holes. Who, yeah same person who wrote the whole series they uh did uh, uh sideways stories from wayside school and the whole setup of that one is that each short story is about a different student or teacher and at least the first book was uh and it's about an uh school architect who read the blueprints wrong and instead of having he ended up building every classroom on top of each other so it's a 30-story school it's so good like yeah it's just very random things and wild teachers and very interesting characters and students and things along those lines yeah it's just like Mm -hmm. a a book full of like jokes and funny and just interesting stuff it's so fun but yeah so this uh just you know brings us back to uh why literacy matters and why international literacy day is important and something to participate in in any way that you can like we said whether it's through book donation or you know uh, donating your time to read to other people or just uh getting out there and sharing your love of books because it goes beyond enjoying a great story it also jumps into just getting through everyday life because words are everywhere yes and support your local library because they do so much more to promote literacy and to give access to books to people who otherwise don't have it than almost any other organization so go to the library Mm -hmm. go to the library and that's how you book This episode was recorded and edited by me, Michael Hardison. Our logo is also designed by me, Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton. Please check out the show notes for a link to the accompanying blog post and visit us online at Wildling Press on social media or at wildlingpress.com.